0: Hey everyone, this is Lance from the band Eris. You are listening to Nick with St. Paul Filmcast. Check out our new single, The Roche Limit, off of our unreleased EP, Formation. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or any music platform you use. And please give Nick the support that he gives us by sharing this podcast to your friends. We're ready to begin. Welcome to the St. Paul Filmcast. I'm Nick, and I'm Vince. And today, I let Vince pick the the topic. I usually pick the topic, but he wanted to do Never Ending Story from uh, from the '80s, um, 1984, I believe, 1984. right? <laughs> and uh, I don't. If you want to just explain a little bit why, why,
1: why? yeah, of all why, the of all the movies to pick, right, right? You know, I could have pitched something like maybe The Princess Bride, right? You yeah. know, maybe a little more. But I wanted something that to talk about from my childhood that wasn't a horror movie, <laughs> right? Because like I watched a lot of horror yeah, movies, as you know, growing up. We've talked enough about horror movies, Right, yeah, you know? And, and But I also didn't want necessarily to be the ones that you can always see on, like The Princess Bride and stuff like that, that was very, very popular, right? Yeah. But also, I didn't want it to be kind of like ones like Daryl that maybe people didn't know about yeah (laughs) because maybe that wasn't so awesome and so the never ended story which I thought was really kind of compelling in the fact that it talked about you know something that's still kind of a problem today bullying right yeah Yeah, and and loss of life dealing with the loss of a uh, loved one at a young age for many people
0: at the beginning of the movie right yeah
1: right you know and so there was a lot of tough like kind of subjects that seemed like hey you know what this still applies today
0: it's it's, it's one of those movies that's actually it's book enforcement, right? They really want you to read books, but it's a movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, right. So it's like it's called the Neverending Story. It's about reading books in a library, right? You're actually you're following right. this kid, really. He, you know, he, you're seeing basically his imagination, right, of what he thinks as as he reads the book, right? Yeah, um, and. I, like i said i picked it because it, it seems still very relevant today like the the subjects that it tackles because you know here's a kid he gets bullied at school right he's getting picked on by some folks he recently lost his mother um so he's got the loss of life loss, loss of a loved one and he's kind of like just doesn't fit in anywhere and so you know he gets befriended books turn he turns the books and and books help give him
0: the strength that he needs to carry on alright so I'm going to provide a little bit of a uh, fact stuff and run down a little bit of the movie and some maybe stuff that you don't even know about uh, definitely directed by Wolfgang Peterson um, he's probably more popular for after this movie he didn't really do he did primarily movies before this in Germany if you look up it's just primarily in German um, Wolfgang Peterson would later um, direct Enemy Mine I think that Dennis Quaid that was Dennis Quaid uh,
1: and who was um, uh, I, don't I forget his name but he was the Iron Eagle guy wasn't he Louis Gossett. Yeah, Louis Gossett Jr. Right. Okay.
0: The I enemy mean, mind is kind of like a sci fi, but they're struck in a pad. They're supposed to be rivals. Um, Even also, Rick and Morty did a stint on the whole enemy did mind. They really? Yeah. I, I have to go back. Did they really do a, yeah a, well the
1: uh, one where uh, they go inside the car battery right his miniverse because it's battery oh right yeah and they go in and in and it's enemy mine right him and him and the <laughs> other professor on both sides trying to kill each other anyway
0: continue. all right uh, after that uh, Wolfgang Peterson directed in the line of fire with Clint Eastwood Outbreak from in 1995 Air Force One with Harrison Ford and Gary Oldman uh, Perfect Storm Troy he, He's awesome Poseidon I didn't know he did so many Poseidon remake He has Poseidon remake that's the last one he's done
1: Oh yeah because that was a career render for I think many people
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, This was actually based on a book by Michael Endy um, titled the same title and it's Kind of is runs. that his only book? No, he's done a bunch of other children's books. This is his most popular. This is the one he's most famous for. And in fact, uh, his father Edgar Endy was a very well celebrated surrealist painter um, who had was part of the artistic style before uh, Nazis came into power. And then when the Nazis declared uh disgusting, you know, degenerate artwork, so no longer was supposed to. Be, when Nazi occupied Germany, and Michael witnessed all this stuff, so I think that's a little bit of the nothing kind of emphasizes. Well, and that's uh, the that's the thing, right? Right, the nothing coming as really kind of the Nazism kind of like. But it's also his creativity. feelings, though, as yeah. a kid.
1: Right, he feeling nothing. Right. right, his yeah. loss, yeah, right, of, of
0: things. So, if and you, if you, um, sorry to interrupt you, um, no, it's all right. If you, if you uh, Google his father's name, Edgar Engie, you get a lot of these, uh, wonderful works that he did. A lot of it the prior to Nazi occupation has been destroyed in a fire. Um, I can't remember doing my research, if it was intentional or not, but it was a fire. And a lot of his early works you cannot find, they're pretty rare, but he was well celebrated at the time as a surrealist painter. They're actually pretty good paintings. (laughs) Right. You know, and the tie-in with the
1: Nazis, because I I, I don't know when the novel was originally written or when this time period. It was actually
0: early 70s.
1: Early 70s. Was it supposed to be like a recollection looking back on how the world dimmed in Europe when the Nazis took over?
0: Right. It's a, nothing's coming to people who don't want to be creative. It's just, Emptiness, right? Right, yeah. Follow along, and yeah, and it's destroying a variety of peoples, right? It's just gonna destroy a variety of peoples. Um, this movie actually, um, I think it's hard to watch as an adult. I think you get more appreciated as a kid because I watched it again, I just didn't have the gravity. Obviously, when I watched this as a kid. It was huge, right? It was was epic. It was epic. I think it really- you,
1: Right. You know what I mean? There's some really intense, like, scenes in there. Like, when you're a 12-year-old boy or even, like, 10-year-old boy, right? Right. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like, wow, pretty powerful stuff.
0: (laughs) But I think it's, it's intentionally kind of kid point of view, right? It's gonna- Well, again, I feel fully
1: that it's- us experiencing the kid who's reading the book, his imagination, Bastion, right? Yeah. Bastion, right? So yeah. it's Bastion's point of view of how we're seeing everything and how these characters are responding. It's because it's like it's his interpretation, isn't it? I believe so.
0: I believe this is intentionally because the dad kind of seems a little standoffish. Right? Well, you don't even really get into like adults outside of the, right. the book. Right, adults aren't really dominant for it. Right, We, I mean, he skips school, but we don't even see running the school we just see the kids right yeah and when he skips school he actually is at school (laughs) he actually yeah he skips school by being in school but like not in class and it's it's a it's a really unique thing about the school looks and the attic look totally different I don't it's hard to like it doesn't really look like the attic it's totally a built set of an attic it doesn't well, look like a... Understand, 1984,
1: yeah. there wasn't a whole big boom of tearing down schools, right, and rebuilding new. It
0: was all about adding on to old ones. Remember, right, Washington I'm was like five buildings right, and there was the sections. We but yeah. I'm saying this this school looks a little bit more modern and then he goes into like what's a barn attic.
1: Yeah, it does. You are correct, where it's <laughs> more like
0: you got that... But it does fit. As a kid, you that's what you sense as an attic. It's going to be creepy and made out of wood. It doesn't really necessarily... Fit reality, And that's what I'm trying to present in this movie, that it's not, it's kids centered And even though the adults look like Stan Dolphish and, you know, even, what, the Empress's spokesperson. Right, yeah. He seems a little bit stiff. And it, the, the adults are, I think, intentionally projected that way in this movie.
1: The only one that isn't is the one that befriends him in the bookstore.
0: Right, yeah. And he's a little, you know... He's a little weird. <laughs> right, he's a little weird. He's not inviting, right? He's a little, you know challenges him you like books what have you read and then the kid you know I've read all these right right yeah
1: yeah which is which is really kind of cool because it's it's you know (laughs) I I remember for me just like so many of the parts of the of the um, of the story itself that were very entertaining right you know even just how it begins and like the fact that they did blend the the surrealist fantasy part in his actual reality, where at you're left kind of thinking, is this real or is this? Are we all still dreaming here? Right? You know what I'm talking getting to right, right. throughout the film, and so it's, it almost seems that as he's reading the story, things that he's reading about are coming about it around him in real life, right? Or that things he does in real life have an effect on the characters in the story that he's reading it's almost like the book yeah. is changing as
0: he's reading it so i'm going to ask you have you read sutter kane <laughs> i have not it and that's in the reference to the, the horror movie in the mouth of madness remember in the horror movie in the mouth of madness with sam neill everybody who reads sutter kane books it's actually happening in real life so uh. when you read something like a murder and all of a sudden like a couple hours later you come up the setting and it's it's detailed just like in the book which is very pl- fitting about this and it's not it's, an old, it's it's an old thing it's a new twist on this how you're reading your right as it goes you know, Spaceballs made this joke, too, right? You put the VCR, and where are we? And then they're, they're, playing, they're watching their movie as right. they're in the movie. <laughs> right, well, in the, the new Twilight Zone, I don't know if you've watched Jordan Peele's uh,
1: take on the Twilight Zone here, okay. but in one of the episodes, the, the uh, a person is listening to the podcast about his future a few hours from now.
0: <laughs> right, you <laughs> yeah. know? So there's always been this kind of folklore of actually reading your predestination, right? And it plays into a little bit of a fantasy of stories and timelines and stuff like that. Um, this was actually made entirely in Germany. This was. Yes, it was a German film. Actually, at the time, it was the most expensive German film. And it was budgeted at $12 billion. So they sunk a lot of money into this, and a lot of it went to special effects.
1: Well, and the special effects, though, are more puppet and in live action special effects versus computer special effects
0: right they did some old-fashioned splice techniques of you take two films and you you, you could tell because the black outline of things and you put it in there it's, it's the layering technique yep. yeah, but it's old-fashioned but that's still that is tedious hard work to make it look authentic especially with the luck dragon is flying on the lower right uh, I think it still works today because yeah. of the way that they did the effects you know, yeah. that's
1: another reason why, like, this movie, I think, is a good pick to watch. And you can watch it on pretty much any streaming service out there, yeah. right? Is that the effects hold up
0: for the most part, right? Yeah, yeah, and it looks a little bit intimidating, but there's certain, obviously when I watch it as an adult, I can see how they pulled some of this special thing. But for kids, it shouldn't make a big deal, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> it should not make a big deal at all. Um, the other thing is a lot of these um, people, the kids in the movie, didn't really go on to have careers. I mean, they did. I can't think of a single one, can you? Right? No. Um, the, 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 not even the princess. No, she didn't really. Yeah, so a lot of the kid, the child actors didn't really go on to do anything after this movie obviously they did some other um film stuff i researched about it um the guy who plays um the boy who played um atreyu you grew up to be a tattoo artist so noah Hathaway. hey that's not bad up, but the funny thing is people go to him to tattoo the luck dragon well the Orin, anything yeah the use, oracle uh, well the Orin, the symbol that thing rewards around his chest that protects you the thing on the cover of of oh, the, the book. Yeah, the snakes. Yeah, the, yeah it's called the Auron. <laughs> right, because he went to go see the oracle, and the Orin protected him, right? Right. I'm sure he's done a lot of people going, done a lot of never-ending t- story tattoos. Um, you know, according to IMDb,
1: yeah. the the budget was $27 million estimated. Okay. Its opening weekend only took in $4.3 million, and it only grossed in the USA a little over $20 million. So hopefully it made up the rest of its money to the I think world. it
0: was made up it uh, up based on video rental sales. Right. Right. And that's where I got I found it. I didn't go to the theater to see it. I think we all see it as a rental.
1: Yeah, um, I mean 1984, I mean, come on, wasn't that ET? You had ET <laughs> that came out that year, right?
0: Oh, you know, a little, little bit.
1: Uh, or was that Raiders?
0: <laughs>
1: that's like 81. <laughs> What was it, 84? There was big stuff. Was that Strike Back, Empires?
0: Yeah, Return of the Jedi came out in 83. Oh,
1: man. So nothing came out in 84 that would... Well, I, I off my head, no. Not that I can think, it, think of, you Maybe Jaws 3 uh, D. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, I, I don't think... Like you said, none of the child actors in the movie... Um, really
0: went on to do anything.
1: Nothing of like that we would really even recognize. Now, the question was that it was a German
0: film, yeah. but... It, it's all in English It's all in English And actually that's not Necessarily true A lot of the Like the downtown scene Of the kids chasing uh, Bastion That was actually In Vancouver In Canada British Columbia Oh Just for, just for Locations Locations and stuff like that But inset In sounds And a lot of the Second unit shots Were from Germany Now it should be said that
1: Bastion's father is actually a pretty well-known actor. Um, Gerald
0: McNanny. He was yes. the popular TV show, I think, was Major Dad, right?
1: I uh, mostly he was on the A team. He's been on Simon and Simon, was another popular TV show that he was on. Um he, he was um he's been in a lot of things, so it's like
0: Right, and he was—he's going to be on the in the uh, upcoming Deadwood movie. He was in the Deadwood season three as uh, Stephen well, but, Ambrose Hurst. Yeah, mining, Hurst, Hurst mining, which Stephen Ambrose Hurst was William Randolph Hurst's father, and William Randolph Hurst was the newspaper guru who we based Citizen Kane on. So there's your connection there.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 No. It's it's actually. I've been waiting. They're going to do a Deadwood movie, huh? That's interesting. A couple weeks coming up. But having seen this movie so many times. Yeah. Yourself, I'm assuming you have seen this numerous times.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Do you have a favorite scene in it? Because I know for me, like the favorite scene that I have, and this may sound. I mean, it's, it's tragic, but it's like it's probably one of the most like pivotal scenes is when. Uh, Atreu is lost
0: well, in, this, what, in the swamps of sadness. Right. That's one of the mo- most memorable scenes because it's actually terrifying as a kid. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a swamp of sadness. Um, it was hard to film because he went through so many horses that would not sit still.
1: Right. It, I can it, imagine it, you want to sit here in a sinking swamp now. So
0: what they did was put him on a hydraulic wooden platform and the hydraulic wooden platform was just lower. lower, But they, they had it took... Monumental times I think it was Just to find a horse That would sit still Even when it was up to the neck (laughs) But that was so worth it though Right Right Yeah And they blew weeks and weeks To find the right horse And they wanted a white horse So it took Right, and of course, just, of course, sit still to film the 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 scene, right? And,
1: and 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 an important thing to me from this scene is like just how devastating something like depression can be.
0: Well, a lot of people always question the the logic of it because now Atreus is sad. Well, how come he's not sinking?
1: Because he's not allowing himself to be devoured by it. Okay, right? It, it's the choice that sometimes depression, you know, when it becomes so, it's just so overwhelming that you actually elect not to fight it yeah right and you just let it take over you versus you know he obviously was sad for the loss of his horse but he knew that he had to carry on otherwise he would himself become swallowed okay, that by the explains swamp. it
0: much more well because as a union, when you know what do you want to know you're like well why is he not sinking yeah, I think it was. But you try the explanation that it's the trigger is going to make you want it, but you have to make the choice of not going further.
1: Yeah, you have to make that conscious choice that you're giving up. Right. Okay. You know, yeah. like the horse did. Like I can't do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the other aspect I was going to bring up is the the challenge of kids. And so you have the the bookkeeper challenge of the boy, can you read this? You know, it's just not for, you know. Right, like, this isn't a, some th- third grade book. Right, and the mirror aspect of Atreo and Bastion because Atreo says, I can do it. And what the Empress's spokesperson's like, but you're a little, you're a child. In fact, the whole Congression is just laughing. You're just a little kid. You can't do anything. And is going to take up the challenge and do it. And uh, a lot of aspects of, Going on a journey, right? Yeah. And you see this a lot in Star Wars and everything. Of a person going on a journey, you have to encounter a lot of challenges. And set An impossible journey. Uh, and not only challenge you physically, yeah. uh, but also mentally, you have riddles and stuff like that, and course, the turtle. Right wow, wow, wow. I love the turtle Yeah the turtle Which is almost like What was like Godzilla's nemesis The giant turtle I think, I think he's coming in The king of monsters Was Gamara
1: Oh yeah 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 uh,
0: Gamara Not Gamora From Guardians of That's Gamora. a different monster Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gamara, Which is a gigantic Stands upright turtle
1: it's like Squirtle from Pikachu, but bigger.
0: Right, and Terry Pratchett's favorite, um, his novel series called Discworld, with an entire world that rides on the back of a turtle. So this ice, but it's popular in mythologies of an enormous turtle. It comes into a lot of the folklore stuff.
1: Right, and you know, it's like in our, in the, the Greeks and the Romans that were the titans, right? You yeah. know, that, that held up Atlas, Yeah,
0: right. But there's always that mythology that the whole world is riding on the back of a turtle of something. Yeah, (laughs) turtles all the way down. Uh, Hard shells, man. (laughs) (laughs) The other aspect is always the danger of a wolf, right? Gamoric, which is what he is the ambassador, not really ambassador. What is he kind of to the nothing? He's more of a he calls himself.
1: He is he is the forthcoming. He is the he is the realization that the nothing is upon you. Because right. he, it's is like a warning, right? he is here, he is the the children of Thanos, you know, right? It, just by that guy showing up, Thanos is there. It's even the ambassador, he's there. right? Yeah. And I, I'm, trying
0: I mean, good, good I, to, I'm trying to think of ambassador is a good good way. I'm trying to think it. There's a lot of I think every culture in the world except for probably Native Americans review the wolf as dangerous, right? It's scary, you know, predatorial, bad. But I think. That's a well, very predator, right? right? Predator. It's viewed as a predator, right? And the puppetry for it, I think, this is still effective, right?
1: Hey, I yeah. thought it was a very, very effective uh, character as a kid. He was a little bit terrifying, right? Yeah, you
0: know, yeah. You, know, you have the. I mean, obviously, I see how they can do it, and they have a, the puppetry.
1: But up. we know now, right? right. We, we know we've now. seen the wizard behind the the. the you know, <laughs> we've seen the guy behind the wizard, right? <laughs>
0: yes. So that's another one of the challenges for. The hero's journey, right? The, the hero, Atreo, right? And just real quick, this was not a Jim Henson's workshop.
1: This was like a competing workshop that did this, right? Yeah, all the puppetry, like Jim
0: Henson's puppetry. That was all from scratch, right? Yep. Um Of course, we get into the assistance, right, of Atreo, which is the luck dragon. Yes.
1: One of the, I mean, the, the luck dragon. What luck to come ac- upon
0: the luck dragon. with <laughs> the Felcor, right? Felcor, yes. Which is what they demonstrated was a lot of uh, old airplane parts that they just put a lot of fake hair over. <laughs> hey, ingenuity, yeah. right? Yeah, but that's tedious and long work, but it's still an effective work. They did the same thing for Java, right? But a lot of the... Winking in the eyes and everything. It makes it look authentic, right? As a it kid, does. You totally believe that it, it was real.
1: You yeah. need those little things that give that sense of realism, right? The big movement of the arms, it's like, oh, everyone knows robots can do that, right? It's those little facial expressions, right? That, that give you, oh my God, I'm believing
0: this. Yeah, and then the whole aspect of a lot of things that seem harmless or we attribute as being on the good side is. The affectionate big eyes, right? Yeah, he looks like a puppy almost, a oh. giant furry cuddly puppy. Where Gamork, the wolf, looks. <sighs> yeah. yeah, so a lot of simple, basic, projection mythology is put into the movie, and also we have the challenge of the sphinxes, right? Yeah, the sphinxes, yeah. And this is another challenge for the hero trio to do. And I think the challenge is he has to what portray confidence, right?
1: There was a there was a number of challenges that he had to face at each one right wasn't there like two or three
0: yeah and the initial entrance into the the finks ones right that they open up the eyes if you even questioned that you could do it right we'll know and you're gone right there's a lot of like mysticism behind of we know your feelings are true intense
1: well it kind of reminds me a lot about the last crusades right and it's at the end of the movie and Harrison Ford's character, oh, Indiana, Indiana, Jones in right? yeah. Indiana Jones is, you know, okay, I got to go retrieve the grail and he has to do three challenges in order to get to it, right? Yeah. He had to, you know, show that he was worthy among whatever and what does a worthy person do or whatever? They kneel.
0: And yeah. they, right? So yeah. it, it reminded me a lot of that. And so we have basically the dragon the, the, the actually assisting the Atreo you get, um, also the people that actually assist the Luchdragon. Yeah, yeah, you know, clean, clean up his bandages and help him out and stuff like. that Yeah,
1: um, I forget their names.
0: <laughs> the, the old, the old people, right?
1: Yeah, and yeah, the old people and like they, they, they were at a very were they off planet or were they they were at a different location on the planet?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Fantasia is a whole different. Yeah.
1: It's a whole different thing cuz like yeah. the whole thing about the nothingness is that it literally is consuming the planet, right? It's not that the planet just dies in that area, is that there's no planet left there.
0: Right? right? It's just right. a
1: void, right? And so um they have to solve this problem before time runs out.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes.
1: And like, you kind of get the ideas when you're reading it and when you're watching the movie that they're really is like, how do they win? How do they beat this thing?
0: Right. It's almost like the Avengers. Like, how do you, after you lost, how do you, right? Because there is a harsh conclusion to this, right? Because <laughs> Very is, harsh. Right. Conclusion. Like, you, you lost, man. I mean, you really got eaten up, right? There's a, now we're just floating meteorites. Right. Specks of dust It's like
1: floating among the stars. And it's just like, Wow. How could they have stopped that in the first place?
0: (laughs) You know? (laughs) The I tower still stands, which is, I think, an important part of the story, because it still establishes that no matter all the destruction, you still have a place that probably can't be harmed, right? It's almost like a sanctuary.
1: There is, yeah, as long as you keep your faith, right? It was about his belief. Right. Bastion's belief. Bastion's belief, right? Yeah. This is the point where he's impacting even more than anything the future of Fantasia.
0: Well, and then, then you have to become the realization that what you're reading is not necessarily fiction, that it's really occurring. Yes. Yes. And this is the, the testament to the hero to fully jump in. You're like, right, he screams, but I have to keep my feet on the ground. I have to constantly know I'm in reality. Right, And she's... The Empress is harassing him. No, you have to do this or your ideas of you know, creativity, your ideas of fantasy are all gonna go away if you don't say, Give me a new name, which is I think it was like Moonchild or something
1: like that. I thought it was like his mother's name.
0: He had to do his mother's name, but he yells Moonchild and that's in the book. Oh, okay. and it's, the funny thing is there's a thunder right when he says it. In then, the
1: movie, I know yeah. it always just muddles it up,
0: right? But now that I say, I think it's more clear. I mean, he screams "Boon Child," right? And that's the catalyst to start the rebooting of all Fantasia again. And immediately,
1: they're back, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. He's reinvigorated. There's no rebuilding phase, no reconciliation with the nothingness, <laughs> nothing at all. Yeah. <laughs> We're back to a happy, glorious time, and he gets to do some revenge. And that's the part where it's like, wait a minute. What's going on here? How is he we flying get, around in the city with the luck dragon?
0: Well, it's a whole ass, not only like the re- <laughs> of redemption, right? It's, always, it's like almost book ended by a book. In the beginning, he gets he gets in the dumpster, right? Yep. And is all the noodles and everything. And that is exactly what happens to the bad guys, right? It's exactly what happens. In fact, it almost exactly copies, it booked almost exactly copies. What happened?
1: The right? same chase scene that happened yeah, in the beginning, question. yeah.
0: As well as everybody comes back, right? Even Artax, the the horse, and then Atreus the come back.
1: Yeah, yeah. Artax, and then like the the rock, the rock guy. Yeah. my hands,
0: <laughs> my good strong hands.
1: My good strong hands were not Another enough thing. to right. keep them from the nothing.
0: And that's the other thing. It's not necessarily redemption, but it's actually you bring something. Back whole, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even he brought something back
1: out of nothing.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Literally is like what, what it comes from, right? Because it goes back, it goes to nothing and then it all comes back from that nothing.
0: You brought up ancient Greeks and ancient Greeks really struggle with the concept of nothing. And oh, really yeah. Zero wasn't even in their vocabulary. Yeah. there's And then I think, can't remember if, if it was Plato or Socrates or maybe one of the three emphasized that even if he thought about nothing, that is in itself something
1: That is thinking about something right. That your thought is something thinking about nothing Therefore there can never be any nothing Because there will always be
0: something Thinking about whatever that nothing might be <laughs> right. And it's a, a, a visual in the movie How a nothing's coming well, well you're telling nothing But they project it as a big strong geological force that's coming to just ripping everything apart yep but that's something <laughs> but that is something
1: turning it into nothing oh okay yeah
0: it's, but it's been a long if you really want to research it the greeks have a tough time right they didn't even have zero they never under you, you can't start with nothing you have to start with something something yeah. stuck on their mathematical advances eventually which you know they couldn't figure out algebra but they were stuck on a time, a, Until a, they introduced, Zero was introduced. Right? Zero was introduced. Um, the author, Michael Endy, did not like this movie. He actually held a press conference prior to the release, and he it's something under the lines he was massively disappointed, and they didn't capture what he wanted to project in the movie. That could have hurt sales then, maybe. Well, maybe, <laughs> if you're a writer. But in, in essence, the, in the movie Never Ending Story is only half the book. Because eventually Bastion and Atreo have a struggle themselves of how they want to reconstruct Fantasia. And Bastion is in the hero in the beginning of the book and in the movie, because he believes in what he's doing, becomes the anti-hero. Where Atreo's like, what are you doing is awful <laughs> And so there is a struggle with them together.
1: And that's the one that you shouldn't see, the movie. That's the Never Ending Story 2, isn't
0: it? I think Never Ending Story 2 tried to pick up where, yeah, where the other one left off. Yeah. Yeah, and it did not go very well. It did not work well at all. <laughs> no, it's actually, I think even Part 3 tried to re- retain some of it. It's just not going to happen. This is a movie, though, that I think could do well
1: in a remake.
0: Yeah, it could. Yeah, and I think there was just too much you know what they're gonna do is CGI green, green, the crap. Yeah, out Screen screen, green it.
1: screen everything, man. Uh, yeah. Everyone will have those motion capture sensors on, and you'll have a bunch of people crawling around in green suits, right, to represent the various characters and stuff. Um, but I, I, I guess I wouldn't be offended if they remade it. You know, it's like it's not it's it's a movie that I loved as a kid, but it's like also I know that if given the right creative team, that it could be something that could be really great. Today, mm-hmm. if if redone properly, um, yeah, because
0: they left out a lot of, and I wouldn't want to bring up, but the, if you can if you really have the time and interest, you can go back to all the stuff that they omitted from the book, and they just for time couldn't put it in the movie. You know, right? The you know, the whole introduction of how a trio, not necessarily just pick, get picked up by Falcor the Luck Dragon, but there is a in the book, it, it goes a little bit deeper how they get their characters interact, like, interact that they, like they
1: finally like meet or whatever they, they right no, why they are together stats.
0: right. Yeah,
1: it wasn't just luck <laughs> it was foretold it was your destiny right <laughs> yeah. it, when when, when Atreus was born or something like that it was foretold that he would save the world from the nothing <laughs> right I have no idea but it is it, it is one like I said Like I would like to just because like you know with remakes today they have a chance to tell a new never ending story, right? They don't have to retell the same story that was told, right? They can do the same book, but tell it in a new way. Um, and I think we're like remakes that do well, do it that way, where they, it's not just a simple scene for scene reshoot of this movie that you're remaking, that you're yeah. actually telling a new story. Right, you're retelling the story. It's like seeing Romeo and Juliet. Right, there's been how many different productions, right? And like the different productions, though, are themselves like unique ways of telling the story.
0: Right, and I'm glad you brought up Romeo and Juliet. And there's two things, the components I would like to address that you brought up. Number one, this is a I think it's a timeless story. I mean, yeah, it was made in 1984. You obviously can do it now and be. Revolent today, right? Yep. It's all about, you know, your hopes and dreams and being able to be creative. Conflict. And, and conflicts and, yeah, you know, and still the existence. And the other aspect you brought from Romeo and Juliet, which I also, has a timeless quality to it, even though it's in a timeline, but the idea of adults getting away and not doing their job, right? And especially Romeo and Juliet, the adults are the most horrendous people in the story. You know, I mean, Juliet's mom... All she cares about herself, right? Yeah. And Julie, Juliet's dad, all he cares about is marrying her off, right? And the Romeo's parents, not really. All they want to care is just fighting in the streets. The adults are all fighting. And then when Romeo and Juliet met, and they go to the friar, we want to get married. An adult should say, "No, no, <laughs> no." So she's thirteen, dude. Get <laughs> out of here. Right. Yes. So I would I would say the Never Ending Story is adults. Are not necessarily bad guys, but they don't grasp at, at, at a point of view of kids, right? And they maybe
1: don't fully understand their actions and the the, the consequences that it has on the child, right?
0: Yeah, right. because his dad says, "I had," you know, Bastian says, "I had a dream about mom last night," and the first thing his dad says, "We have to move on," instead of saying, "Yeah, I know something," for his point of view, that probably seems what it were what happened, right? Because I'm trying to present that maybe this is his point of view, not really how it happened, right? We don't really get the dad afterwards.
1: Well, it's a nice way of just saying this could be, um, oh my God, uh, what was the name of that movie with the boy in the boat and the
0: tiger? Uh, Life of Pi. Life of Pi. Right. Yeah. So I would, a little bit of, if you get the boy's point of view, it seems a little bit cold, right? right reality yeah, he does seem a little bit harsh. And, and his
1: dad may have said, hey, you know, it's, I understand this, but we need to move on. Right. But we
0: just see as move on. And he even sees his classroom and nobody cares that he's gone. Nobody talks about it. They're just having normal classroom, which seems cold to you.
1: Right? Like, how come no one cares? I just lost my mom.
0: Right. Yeah. Why? Why am he picking on me? And I lost my mom. Right. That's the worst kind of ball. Yeah. It is.
1: And, right. That kind of sucks. <laughs> It
0: makes you even feel kind of worse for
1: the kid, you know, when you, when you think about the things like that. But like, yeah, it's totally from the point of view of the child. Yeah. And at, what is he, 12? Right? He's fifth grade or something like that? Or is he seventh grade? I
0: think he was like 12 years old, 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He was around there. Um, because he he plays hooky. And it still like gets me to this day. He plays hooky by just ditching in school.
0: Ditching in school, which I didn't do that.
1: You know, it's like I didn't ditch school much, but when I did, it wasn't just to go into a room to like hang out in a different room. (laughs)
0: Read books. Right? (laughs) Yes, yes.
1: You know, it's like I probably would have like ran off to like maybe some forest and like climbed a tree or something, you know?
0: Yeah. So I'll, I'll ask you, you know, we're only like a couple minutes left, but I'll ask you, what does the title relate to you? Why is it always regarded as the title says, Never Ending Story?
1: Well, people should understand it's Never Ending Story is one word. It's not two words, right? Okay. It yeah. actually is like so. That's like a oh, it runs on forever, right? The title itself.
0: Oh, I never thought about that. Good, good catch. Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Okay. So like, I, I thought the title there was kind of catchy, you know, just kind of oh, and how you did it. Yep, it just runs on. <laughs> Funny, cute, um, but clearly, even when we came to the conclusion in our movie. The, we never reached a full conclusion of what would happen for, to Fantasia, right? Those stories yep. were yet to be told, I think, is how they leave it.
0: Right. I think that you're right. The title suggests that it's never ending because the ending wasn't. It was just another beginning. Yeah. And it's another Greek, ancient Greek philosophy that, that the ending means there's something new starting.
1: Yep, for every end, there is now a new beginning. For every ending, there's a beginning, right? Yeah. And so it's like, even though we reach the conclusion of this one, there are still many more to
0: follow. <laughs> you know what Stephen Wright said about you know endings and all that stuff? It's like, I wish the first word I said was quote. So the last word I say would be unquote.
1: <laughs> like <laughs> in the very beginning, like page one, quote unquote <laughs> literally like that was the story some dude told me yeah. right there are some
0: funny before we, there are some funny stuff into it there yeah
1: are, it's just, not an all sad thing right I mean I, I didn't, no movie can just be one like constant emotional right right thing. I think that's
0: why it capsulates kids I mean, even though they do some scary stuff in there you get,
1: it's it, an emotional rollercoaster right right because you go from points of like oh what's this thing going on of curiosity of what's happening what's happening oh no that's evil scary we need to run away to oh let's fight back we're gonna get together we got a plan to like oh my god despair all is lost i can't believe it actually happened and everyone's gone to like i can't believe they're all back oh my god right <laughs> so it's like there is a whole lot of emotional uh, changes that it brings yeah. you through uh
0: before you go the dad puts orange juice and raw eggs in a blender and turns it on and drinks it could you do it
1: no just like remember from like the was it not the facts of life but uh, um what That's was what was the one with willis um, um Moonlighting? no 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 um what you talking about, Willis? Oh, um, Arnold? Yeah, different strokes, right? Where, where like I remember, like it was either Kimberly or whatever was like on a health kick, and so they were just drinking raw eggs. Oh
0: no! Yeah,
1: like doing I, like down in two raw eggs. I'm like, wouldn't know Arnold and Willis and Kimberly rolled. <laughs> yeah, it was just ridiculous. It was not good. So I, I can't do that. <laughs> right. I I watched that when I
0: rewatched it. I was like, there's no way I'm gonna do that. No, but that was actually like popular. The eight, eighty thing. That was an eighties thing. Blender. Yeah. Put it in a blender, right? Like you just you just do the you
1: just do the raw egg, and then people finally realized, oh, you could die from salmonella if you did that. Maybe that's not so healthy, <laughs> right. right? Maybe frying it isn't so bad. <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> so, all right. Well, this is a little quick mini. You know, we usually go a little bit. This is a little fun, quick little one for us. Yeah,
1: you know, I didn't want to bore people with too many details about the actual movie itself because, uh, again, this is something that if you have never experienced it, you should at least
0: experience it. And I, would, I I hate to say it because I really, hate, I've only done the cliff notes for the book.
1: Read the book. I've not read the book. I'm really bad at that. It's thick, man. But my imagination, I can only imagine what the book would be like, right? You know, versus like, so I mean like, I'd rather imagine what the book is like rather than reading it. Kind of like how people who like to read the books and they just want to imagine what the movie would be like but not want to watch the movie. Yeah. I'm going to imagine what the book is like and just not read it. I think my my imagination would be better. (laughs) (laughs) Reading it it might actually
0: ruin it. All right. (laughs) Well, uh I... God, I don't want to do this pun, but I'm going to do it. Of course, our podcast has an end to it, so it's not over to the guest says it's over.